the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. Glad to have you with us. Chris Williams is engineering today's program for the last day this week because... Uh, Clark is back. There's a whole new thing coming. We'll explain that later in the program. But it's been uh, it's been fun working with you, Chris. Thanks for doing such a great job. Also, James Blind is producing. Clark Hilton will be back in the area on uh, Monday, and uh, so we're looking forward to kind of getting things back to how they belong. Speaking of which, today, of course, is Fun Friday, but there were some developing news stories that I thought we really needed to cover, and we'll get to the lighter side of the news a bit later in the program. Also, we're going to give you an opportunity to learn more about the uh, Portland Singing Christmas Trees Hymn Sing that's taking place tomorrow night, that's Saturday, May the 5th, at Southwest Bible Church in Beaverton, and again on uh, Saturday, May the 12th, at New Hope Church in Happy Valley. Now, it's a free event, but you need a ticket to... uh, to participate, and you can call for more information on that at 503-557-8733. Again, that's 503-557-8733. You can also uh, log on to the website. I have a link because it's kind of an unusual web address. I have a link on the Georgine Rice Show Facebook page, and uh, you can also secure your tickets there. And by the way, there is an option for a chicken dinner. That's a $10 uh, dinner, and you can uh, pay for that when you go online as well. Again, that's uh, coming up Saturday night. The concert, not really a concert, the sing-along, the hymn sing, begins at 6 o'clock on Saturday, and uh, the chicken dinner at 4.30. So make note of that. Well, some of the developing stories of the day, Rudy Giuliani's revelation yesterday that President Trump reimbursed Michael Cohen's payment to a rather unsavory um, movie star, we'll put it that way, uh, sends the mainstream media into a frenzy and reportedly stuns White House officials. The president uh, sort of backtracked on that. Federal investigators surveilled but did not record phone calls by Michael Cohen. That's been uh, learned, contrary to a previous report by NBC News. The Peacock Network is forced to correct its story. President Trump and Vice President Pence will speak and have uh, now done so at the NRA annual meeting in Dallas today. And a Detroit hip-hop radio station has banned Kanye West from its airwaves because of his recent comments about slavery. He's been sort of a controversial figure on a number of scores, his latest having to do with his comments on uh, the uh, voluntary nature of slavery. Well, the lead story, Giuliani's interview fallout. Rudy Giuliani, former governor, now uh, legal representative of the president. His revelation, rather, on Hannity, the president, Donald Trump, reimbursed his personal attorney, Michael Cohen, for the $130,000 that Cohen paid to adult film star Stormy Daniels for her silence about an alleged encounter with the president, then civilian, sent shockwaves all across the mainstream media, cable channels. It also reportedly stunned the White White House, the former New York City mayor and a recent uh, addition to Trump's legal team, later clarified on Fox News the president reimbursed Cohen for expenses and that Trump was not aware of the one hundred and thirty thousand dollar payment uh, to Daniels that it was included. 
plausible deniability. Well, White House Press Secretary Sandra Sa- Sarah Sanders, rather, who had told reporters for months that Trump had no knowledge of the payment, said she learned about the president's reimbursement to Cohen for the first time from Giuliani's interview on Wednesday. Several aides, the Wall Street Journal reported, were concerned Giuliani was operating outside the White House staff structure. However, Giuliani told the Journal that the president authorized the disclosure and was very pleased with the Fox News interview. Well, that didn't seem to be the case when he commented on it uh, later today. Well, NBC, as I mentioned, they aired on the Cohen story. Federal investigators kept a register of phone calls made by the president's attorney, Michael Cohen, but those calls were not recorded, contrary to an earlier report by NBC News. Investigators used a pin register, a dialed number recorder, DNR as they call it, on at least one of Cohen's phones. Uh, A pin register records all numbers dialed from a given uh, phone number, as well as the length of each call, but does not record its content. Earlier in the day yesterday, NBC reported that Cohen's conversations had been recorded in the weeks leading up to FBI raids on his home, office, and hotel room last month. The report also claimed that investigators recorded at least one call made to the White House from a number associated to Cohen. Well, later, NBC had to issue a correction on the report, giving more ammunition to the nation's highest-ranked media critic, Trump. He's frequently criticized the mainstream media for catering to America's left wing and coastal elites with fake news. And President Trump and Vice President Mike Pence spoke at the um, National Rifle Association's annual meeting in Dallas. The president made his fourth consecutive address to the NRA's annual meeting. His remarks uh, are, were closely remarked, uh, uh, watched rather, as they uh, came. Uh, uh, they come less than three months after the fe- uh, February 14th mass shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, that left 17 dead. The massacre uh, reignited the national debate on gun control, sparked a student-led movement for gun law reform. At one point, the president raised the idea of raising the age of purchase for certain guns to 21 and proposed expanding background checks. He tempered his views after meeting with NRA leaders. And on this day in 1961, the first group of freedom riders le- left to Washington, D.C. to challenge racial segregation on interstate buses and in bus terminals. Well, as I mentioned earlier, uh, President Trump says Giuliani will get his fact straight. Um, And he says uh, that the Russia probe is a witch hunt. The president on Friday addressed the bombshell interviews given by his uh, latest legal representative, saying his new attorney knows the Russia probe is a witch hunt and will get the facts straight, raising questions whether the two are on the same page. The president's comments came after Giuliani told Fox News on Hannity on Wednesday night that Trump reimbursed attorney Michael Cohen for the $130,000 hush money payment. Uh, Rudy is a great guy, but just started days ago. He's a great guy, the president said, speaking to reporters on the White House lawn on Friday before heading to Texas for his speech. Rudy knows this is a witch hunt. He started uh, yesterday. He'll get the facts straight, end quote. Well, it's unclear what facts the president was referring to as a day earlier. He seemed to back Giuliani's account of the Daniels payment in a three-part tweet. Mr. Cohen, an attorney, received a monthly retainer not from the campaign and having nothing to do with the campaign from which he entered in into through reimbursement, a private contract uh, between two parties known as a non-disclosure agreement or NDA, Trump tweeted early Thursday. Maybe you can sort through what all of that meant. Um, He continued, the agreement was used to stop the false extortionist accusations made by her about an affair prior to his violation by Ms. Clifford and her attorney. This was a private agreement. Money from the campaign or campaign contributions played no role 
in this transaction. Well, the tweets underscored Giuliani's claim that the money was not campaign related, an apparent attempt to reject any suggestion of campaign finance violation. Giuliani's interview, though, has led to widespread legal analysis suggesting his uh, comments could backfire. Giuliani also seemed to claim uh, earlier this week that Trump was not aware at the time of what the payment was for. In fact, he still maintains that, that this was part of a general arrangement in which a retainer was given for miscellaneous expenses that might incur a $35,000 retainer for that purpose. It uh, does at least give coverage for plausible deniability if, in fact, uh, there was not a specific discussion as to where those funds would go. And I, I understand that this is not altogether uncommon for wealthy people. Chris and I would not uh, be in the same category to pull something like that off. Anyway, Daniel's attorney said on MSNBC's Morning Joe Thursday morning that if it's true that Trump uh, reimbursed Cohen, it's a crime with serious consequence. There's a lot of back and forth as to whether or not that is the case. We'll continue to follow the story, and I thought we should mention it today. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We'll be back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, we are back 18 minutes after 4 o'clock. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. It's not a good idea to eat an orange between segments because there's just too much juice going on there. But I'll try to uh, swallow more efficiently. Well, a federal judge today harshly rebuked special counsel Robert Mueller's team during a hearing for ex-Trump campaign chairman Paul Manafort. And he suggested they lied about the scope of the investigation, are seeking unfettered power and are more interested in bringing down the president. You don't really care about Mr. Manafort, U.S. District Judge T.S. Ellis III told Mueller's team. You really care about what information Mr. Manafort can give you to lead you to Mr. Trump and an impeachment or whatever. End quote. Well, further, Ellis, the judge, demanded to see the unredacted scope memo, a document continuing the uh, rather outlining the scope of the special counsel's Russia probe that congressional Republicans have also sought. The hearings uh, were uh, Manafort's uh, team. Uh, they fought to dismiss the 18 month indictment on tax and bank fraud related charges, took a confrontational turn as it was uh, revealed that at least some of the information in the investigation derived from an earlier Justice Department probe in the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Eastern District of Virginia. Manafort's uh, attorney argued the uh, special counsel does not have the power to indict him on the charges they have brought and seemed to find a sympathetic ear in Judge Ellis. The Reagan-appointed judge asked Mueller's team where they got the authority to indict Manafort on alleged crimes dating as far back as 2005. The special counsel argues that Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein granted them broad authority in a May 2nd, 2017 letter appointing Mueller to the investigation. But after the revelation that the team was using information from the earlier Department of Justice probe, Ellis said that information did not arise out of the special counsel probe and therefore may not be within the scope of that investigation. We don't want anyone uh, with unfettered power, he said. Well, this is uh, certainly a feather in the cap of Mr. Manafort. Well, Mueller's team says its authorities were um, laid out in documents, including the August 2017 scope memo and that some powers are actually secret because they involve ongoing investigations and national security matters that cannot be publicly disclosed. Well, Judge Ellis seemed amused and not persuaded. He summed up the special counsel's office as we said this was what investigation was about, but we are not bound by it and we are lying. 
end quote. He referenced the common exclamation from NFL announcers saying, come on, man. Well, the judge also gave the government two weeks to hand over the unredacted scope memo or provide an explanation. Why not? After prosecutors were reluctant to do so, claiming it has material that doesn't pertain to Manafort. I'll be the judge of that, Judge Ellis said. Well, House Republicans have uh, been uh, seeking those uh, full documents, though the Justice Department previously released a redacted version, which includes information related to Manafort, but not much else. The charges in federal court in Virginia were on top of another round of charges in October. Manafort has pled not guilty to both rounds. The charges filed earlier this year include conspiring against the United States, conspiring to launder money, failing to register as an agent of a foreign principal and providing false statements. Earlier this year, Judge Ellis suggested that Manafort could face life in prison and poses a substantial flight risk because of his financial means and international connections to flee and remain at large. And it continues. President Trump chose the occasion of the National Day of Prayer to sign an executive order yesterday focusing on protecting freedom of religion and exploring new ways faith-based agencies can partner with government to effectively provide services. The president said at the National Day of Prayer ceremony in the Rose Garden before signing the executive order to create a White House Faith and Opportunity Initiative, we condemn all crimes against people of faith, and today we are launching another historic action to promote religious freedom. The Faith Initiative will help design new policies that recognize the vital role of faith in our families, our communities, and our great country, the president said. This office will also help ensure that faith-based organizations have equal access to government funding and the equal right to exercise their deeply held beliefs. We take this step because we know that in solving the many, many problems and our great challenges, faith is more powerful than government and nothing is more powerful than God, Trump continued. Well, the White House initiative will be made up of faith leaders and experts on charity and religious freedom from outside the government and will be led by the newly created position of Advisor to the White House Faith and Opportunity Initiative. It will make recommendations about providing services to the poor and to apprise the Trump administration of any executive branch failures to comply with religious liberty protections under law. Well, during his remarks in the Rose Garden, the president president rather talked about the uh, Reverend Billy Graham, the legendary evangelist who died earlier this year, and the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr., the iconic civil rights hero assassinated 50 years ago in 1968. Today, we were Remember the words of Reverend Graham, pray, uh, prayer rather is the key that opens us to the treasures of God's mercies and blessings, the president said. Always beautiful, and when he said it, it meant uh, so much. When I say it, I mean something, but I uh, liked it when he said it better. I think he did that a little better than I do. Well, he continued, the prayers of religious believers helped gain our independence, and the prayers of religious leaders, like the Reverend Martin Luther King, great man, helped win the long struggle for civil rights. Faith has shaped our families, and it's shaped our communities. It's inspired our commitment to charity and our defense of liberty, and faith has forged the identity and the destiny of this great nation that we all love. Well, he signed the Religious Freedom Executive Order last year at a similar uh, Rose Garden event. A Family Research Council analyst uh, released uh, Wednesday uh, found the Religious Freedom Executive Order Trump issued in May of 2017 allowed charities and other entities to provide up to 13.7 million people with health care and other social services and enabled at least 44 schools that provide education for more than 148,000 students to continue operating. The announcement of President Trump's 
Faith Initiative is further evidence that this administration is not only committed to protecting our freedom, but it also acknowledging that our faith in God contributes to the guidance and well-being of our country. Tony Perkins, president of the Family Research Council, uh, said, I look forward to working with the president to make sure the community of faith will be able to bring hope and help to people in the United States and around the globe, he said. In a statement, however, Americans United for the Separation of Church and State contends that the executive order will instead trample on religious freedom. I won't quote them. You can pretty much guess what they would have to say. Uh, Nonetheless, this executive order signed yesterday on the uh, National Day of Prayer. Also today, the um, Academy as in the Academy Awards has decided to expel Roman Polanski along with Bill Cosby. Now, Polanski was convicted way back in 1978 of raping a child he had drugged. He's been a fugitive from justice for 40 years. And over that period of time, the Academy Awards nominated him three separate times for awards. He won in 2003. And this is with full knowledge of his background and what he had done. Um, Way to take a stand, Hollywood. Kimberly Strassel reminds us that uh, and the Hollywood audience applauded wildly when he won that award in 2003, knowing all that we know now about what he was accused and convicted of having done involving a minor back in 1978. Well, Polanski's lawyer said this, and I quote, he apologized to the woman who, of course, was a little girl. She has accepted his apology. It's a very ignorant thing to do. That's it. Well, I think that pretty much covers it. One should not be held legally responsible if there was an apology ever ha- after having stolen the innocence of a child. And finally, today was a very special event, the Freedom March that represented men and women of faith who have walked away from a lifestyle that was uh, not consistent with their Christian faith and into the arms of Jesus. Not easily, not uh, simply the flick of a switch, but making a commitment and seeing God work out uh, the challenge in their own lives. Well, one of the Pulse nightclub survivors has found Christ and he left the gay lifestyle and that has become something of a controversial story across the country. But the truth is there are hundreds of thousands of men and women who have come to faith in Christ and decided they wanted to follow Jesus wholeheartedly. And uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit and through uh, a process of of counseling and accountability, have walked away from the lifestyle of uh, being gay, lesbian, bisexual, transsexual, and everything in between. Well, this particular uh, individual participated in the Freedom March that took place today in Washington, D.C., that represented men and women whose testimony reflects that very outcome. The NBC story felt the need to uh, to um, add some something of a disclaimer, and they wrote in writing about this uh, young man and his story, the controversial practice of trying to change one's sexual orientation or gender identity is often referred to as conversion therapy. Now, first of all, conversion therapy is a very specific thing, and talk therapy is not conversion therapy. A person deciding that they want to follow Christ and seeking counseling to help them do just that is not conversion therapy. But nonetheless, they have uh, simply uh, decided that every... um, uh, every decision that's made by a believer should be lumped into this category of this um, this under this uh, title because it has been rejected. They also offered a long list of health organizations that have spoken against the medically debunked practice. He was not the subject of a medical practice at all. 
and then they listed the uh, the number of organizations. The truth is, you can never rely on NBC or ABC, CBS, CNN, Fox News, or any of them to, uh, although some do better than others, to accurately explain the power of God in the life of a believer. And so I I wanted to mention and celebrate not only this young man, but to celebrate uh, the many others who took place, who took part rather in this Freedom March earlier today. It wasn't intended to be political. It wasn't intended to do anything but celebrate what God has done and to give hope to others who are seeking uh, to walk more fully um, as followers as well. Well, uh, coming up, we're going to switch gears just a bit because we have been... uh, Dealing with the uh, the harder edge of the news, we're going to lighten up because this, of course, is Fun Friday. And later in the program, we'll give you an opportunity to learn all the important details about uh, Saturday night's uh, Singing Christmas Tree Hymn Sing. And then the following weekend on the 12th at New Hope Church, there's another opportunity, but we'll give you all the details. If you'd like tickets and you need them, even though they're free, call 503-557-8733. Also in the next hour, we're going to talk with Kyle Mann. He's one of the head writers with the Babylon Bee. The book they've just published, their first, How to Be a Perfect Christian, Your Comprehensive Guide to Flawless Spiritual Living. I think you'll have fun. We'll be back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Well, good afternoon and welcome back. You're listening to the Fun Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. I happen to have a couple of uh, characters with me. Uh, at this point in the program, because today happens to be a very special occasion, at least from their perspective. And may I say, may the fourth be with you, (laughs) as they say. Well, happy Star Wars Day. Every year, fans of the movie franchise, they celebrate May the 4th, which evokes the iconic line from the movie, may the force be with you. Um, It was... 41 years ago. Can you believe that? It's been 41 years since the original movie premiered, and its fans celebrate all across the galaxy. Now, as legend has it, and according to the origin story that's recognized by Lucasfilm, the phrase was first used on March the 4th, 1979. Did you guys know this? The day Margaret Thatcher took office as UK Prime Minister, the Conservative Party reportedly placed an ad in the London Evening News that read, May the 4th be with you, Maggie. Congratulations. Wow. Did you know that? (laughs) No, I I did not either. Really? I've told you something about this that you didn't know? Yeah, he did, actually. I, I'm I'm impressed with myself. <laughs> wow. Well, um, yeah, you should be. So the two of you are really into this. And in fact, Chris, who's been engineering the program um, all week. And by the way, James Blend is with me in studio. He brought some paraphernalia from that, his own home. This is mm-hmm. quintessential Oregon slash Star Wars type material here. We, I mean, because... You don't think about one of the greatest things that ever happened in the Star Wars universe, the author Timothy Zahn, whose books should have been made into movies. That's my opinion, and everyone is entitled to my opinion, but those <laughs> his his uh Dark Force Rising trilogy, they're just they were they were beautiful, beautiful pieces of literature right up there with Shakespeare, which also leads into uh Ian Ian, I can never pronounce his last name. Dort, duh. Dostcher. Dostcher. That's, yeah. William Shakespeare's Star Wars. Which is another great read. Yeah, I probably won't be. Uh, we also have Free Comic Book Day, which, by the way, is tomorrow. Tomorrow, yes. Uh, Star Wars. Uh, I have here Star Wars Dark Force Rising paperback. Beautiful. Star Wars Heir <laughs> to the Empire paperback. Because you, you, you need to have the full trilogy there. And then we have Star Wars... Uh, volume three, The Last Command, mm-hmm. hardback. Yep. So, guys, why is this a big deal to you? 
or is it a big deal to you? Well, I mean, you know, I think the the hallmark of, uh, you know, you have memories of uh, your favorite movies growing up. And I think for a lot of people, this is um, this is theirs. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I know one of the, one of the first movies I saw in the movie theater was the second Star Wars Empire Strikes Back. Um, How old were you? Do you remember? I would have been about six when it came out. Mm-hmm. What's the first one you saw, Chris? I, I saw Empire. I remember my parents t- taking me to go see Empire, realizing that this was an a, just a key moment in my life. <laughs> and then later on, when the, they re-released Star Wars, they they took me to see that. And as a kid, I had no idea of uh, concept of time, and I just always thought that Empire was the first movie and Star Wars was the second one. Yeah, I saw the first movie when I was a teenager and didn't really care if I saw another one. <laughs> they had movies back then? <laughs> I was <Wow>. going <laughs> to... Yeah, they I, well, did. I mean, no, when she, when she ones, was in college, the talkies came out, so, you know... <laughs> Now, you think that's a joke, but I am not going to hold your youth and inexperience against you. Thank you, um, President There's something Reagan. to be said for wisdom and uh, longevity. Uh, let's see. Tickets are go- have gone on sale for the next uh, film, Solo, Yep, a Star Wars story. Uh, it's slated to be in theaters on May the 25th. And are, are the two of you excited about that? Is this about Han Solo as yes, a young it is. man? Yeah, it's a, it's a prequel of Han Solo, essentially his backstory, um, how Han Solo became the Han Solo that we know today. And, you know... I would say cautiously optimistic. I, I'm I'm a little nervous about it. I'm not it. really sure we need to know everybody's backstory. I mean, you make a movie, well, it's good or it's not good, and then you have to tell what happened before that movie, and then you have to tell what happened before that movie, and then you have to tell what happened after the first movie that these prequels are supposed to explain. I don't oh, know. Don't get me started on the prequels. We, we can go there mm-hmm. later. Uh, but um, I, I, for me, it, it's one of those things. I don't know that I need to see anybody other than Harrison Ford play Han Solo. Yeah, of course he cannot play himself as a young man. So no, he have sure this can't. Other guy whose name is Alden Ehrenreich. Yeah. Yes, correct. Does that sound right? Yeah, he's playing Han Solo. David, Gl- or rather Donald Glover, is Lando Calrissian, which is a great casting. Uh, introduces a new character. It's Q I R A. Is it Kira? I, I believe it's pronounced Kira. Kira. Uh, played by Amelia Clark and uh, Beckett, uh, played by Woody Harrelson. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know Woody Harrelson is in it. Yeah, and the movie is directed by Ron <laughs> Howard. Well, well, who's, what, uh, what movie these days, especially in the in the genre, is Woody Harrelson not in? It feels like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's uh, that's the big thing. The the fourth be with you. Some of the things that you might consider doing on this Star Wars day, you can get ready for the release of this Han Solo prequel by watching the uh, uh, the trailer on television or rather online disney's youtube channel has seven animated shorts uh, for the star wars forces of destiny series that's available today uh, you can actually roar like chewbacca for the good cause lucasfilms and star wars force for change invite fans to share their own versions of the wookiees uh, cry on social media and through the 25th star wars force for change uh, U.S. is going to donate a dollar to UNICEF USA for every public post, like or share on Twitter, Instagram or Facebook. That includes hashtag Roar for Change. Uh, do you have a Chewbacca roar? I don't know if that's that more just <laughs> that I think must have been in the prequel. <laughs> that sounds like nope. a young, inexperienced Chewbacca. I, well, How about I'll you, try. James? Uh, <laughs> yeah, you sound like a... Scooby Doo. <laughs> Well, what about yours? Where's yours? I don't have one. I'm a grown woman. (laughs) I'm a grown woman. I don't have one. (laughs) 
Or you could throw your own party. These are some of the suggestions that they, are either of you throwing or going to a Star Wars party. Uh, no, no. Well, I'm I'm heartened by that. You're both grown men. You've got children of your own, and you're not going to a party. I should mention at the New York Yankees game tonight, they're doing something special. They're giving away Aaron Judge Jedi bobblehead dolls featuring the slugger holding a lightsaber. Huh? Yeah, a lot of teams are are doing that. That that's a very common thing to have Star Wars night. Not always on, is it able to be uh, May Fourth. I know the Mariners are doing one. It, that one may be tonight, actually. Um, I yeah, I believe I saw, it is. I saw a Mariner Star Wars hat earlier today. And even our own local team, uh, Hillsborough Hops, does a Star Wars night during the season as well. And uh, with uh, Star Wars themed, I have one from last year, a Hillsborough Hops Star Wars t-shirt. Wow. And to mark the day for the Star Wars fans, a departure board uh, at Heathrow uh, Airport, that's in uh, London. They're featuring locations and characters from the film and, nego- and uh, notations uh, like flight duration now less than 12. Is it parsecs? And delayed a long, long time in a galaxy far, far away. So if you're in the airport in <laughs> London, they're making references to it as well. Be prepared and, to be a little bit more confused than, and, uh, than and, normal. And unfortunately, Chris, the, the flight to Alderaan has been canceled. Oh. I'm sorry, the flight to where? Alderaan. Oh, yeah, that flight. I figured that was going to be canceled. Yeah, that was blown up by the Death Star. Exactly. That's what I, that's what I thought. I know you you were you're thinking that right right the whole time after I said it. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, the 4th be with you. Uh, happy Star Wars Day. I hope you uh, enjoy everything that the day brings. I think I will just end up watching the movie sometime <laughs> this weekend. <laughs> well, there you go. Are you uh, going to see the movie? Um, on Han Solo, James? Yeah, it may not be opening weekend uh, just because it's Memorial Day weekend, yeah. but, uh, it, which is also my daughter's But it's birthday. on your list. It is on my list. Mm-hmm. It will be seen. Chris, you going to see it? I'll, if I'll, I'm going to wait to hear how uh, what the basic reviews are. Ba- more or less, if I could take the kids to it, if they're going to end up ah. freaked out or not. But more than likely, yeah, I'll just take the kids to it. All right. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Happy Star Wars Day. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show on a fun Friday afternoon. We'll be back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. All right, we're back. You're listening to the fourth segment of The Georgine Rice Show. Get it? The fourth segment? Huh? Pretty clever, huh? We decided to have a fourth segment because the fourth is... Uh, yeah. We have a fourth segment every. It's not like yeah, it's, but today it's, it's not different. like this. It's not like uh, you know the uh, buildings that are you know, the tall buildings where they skip the thirteenth floor. It's not uh, fourth isn't quote unquote bad luck, so we don't skip the fourth segment. Oh, so it's not that big a deal. It, no. it kind of isn't. No. Oh, all right. Well, while I'm getting over my disappointment, let me just mention that this Saturday, it's not too late. You want to join us at uh, Southwest Bible Church? The hymn sing featuring the singing Christmas tree choir is coming up this Saturday. You can still go. You need to go to the website and um, get a ticket or you can call Patty at 503-557-8733 at the singing Christmas tree office. It's a free event, but they need to know you're coming and you need to have a ticket. So give them a call and uh, plan to join us. There's also next weekend, which is May the 12th. That's going to be at New Hope Church. So if that one is more convenient for you, they're of course in Happy Valley. Southwest Bible Church is in Beaverton and the same number and uh, website applies. Uh, Both begin at 6 p.m. And if you get in 
uh, in touch on time. You can also uh, purchase a dinner. They have a chicken dinner that precedes the event starting at 4.30, and the uh, hymn sing begins at 6 o'clock. Again, the telephone number, 503-557-8733. We have a, a link on the Georgine Rice Show page if you need to check that out, uh, link for the website as well. We're also going to uh, share a conversation I had with Wes Walterman later in the program about that very event, so stick around for that and more details. Hey, did the two of you hear about uh, the fact that Facebook is now going to offer a offer rather a dating service. I kind of thought it already was one. Well, I suppose in some kind of way it may have been. Um, on first reading, this is according to Ed Morrissey commenting on the whole idea. I first thought that it must have been an April Fool's Day joke that fired off on the wrong uh, on the wrong date. While the potential for dating apps has long existed on Facebook, and single users no doubt have already adapted their dating life to it. Who in their right mind thinks that now is a good time to trust the platform with data that personal? (laughs) He's writing for Hot Air. Well, the news caused the stock for Tinder, OkCupid, and Match.com to plummet, according to Business Insider. And then there's this. Facebook has reportedly fired an employee accusing, rather accused, of using his privileges to stalk women online. You know, I I guess the question is, and I'm I'm not a heavy investor by any stretch, but why would somebody invest heavily in stock and dating apps? Yeah, I I don't I, get it either. I, you know, it's one of those things that, um, yeah, I, I don't think I would. I mean, when I look at Facebook and see what their algorithms put as, you know, ads of things that I might like, and 90% of things are things I don't like. <laughs> You're not interested in. You uh, not even like, vaguely yeah. interested in. I'm very thankful I'm not single and, and looking for that, that next person because I, I don't think, uh, I don't, if I had to choose Dr. Neil Clark Warren or Mark Zuckerberg. Sorry, Mark, you're not on my list. Just saying. <laughs> it doesn't help. Type. I'm already married, so what does it matter? I don't, I don't... Well, I hope it doesn't try to hook. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I'm kind of worried, like, uh, no. like, is Facebook going to try and set me up with someone else <laughs> other than my wife? <laughs> oh, you never know. Uh, Greg Smith, who's a former trailblazer and a co-worker here, he sent us uh, a little joke um, uh, about Google, which kind of goes to social media and uh, the internet in general. Caller, is this Tony's Pizza? Google, no, sir, it's Google Pizza. Caller, I must have dialed a wrong number. Sorry, Google, no, sir, Google bought Tony's Pizza last month. Caller, okay, I would like to order a pizza. Google, do you want your usual, sir? Caller, my usual? You know me? Google, according to our caller ID data sheet, the last 12 times you called, you ordered an extra-large pizza with three cheeses, sausage, pepperoni, mushrooms, and meatballs on a thick crust. Caller, okay, that's what I want. Google, may I ask that this time you order a pizza with ricotta, arugula, sun-dried tomatoes, and olives on a whole wheat, gluten-free, thin crust. Caller, what? I detest vegetables. Google, your cholesterol is not good, sir. Caller, how how do you know? Google, well, we cross-referenced your home phone number with your medical records. We have the results of your body, <laughs> of your blood tests for the last seven years. Caller, okay, but I don't want your rotten vegetable pizza. I already take medication for my cholesterol. Google, excuse me, sir, but you have not taken your medication regularly. According to our database, you only purchased a box of 30 cholesterol tablets once at, Dr- at uh, Drugs RX Network four months ago. Caller. I bought more from another drugstore. Google. That doesn't show on your credit card statement. 
Caller, I paid cash, Google, but you did not withdraw enough cash according to our uh, your bank statement. Caller, I have other sources of cash, Google. That doesn't show on your last tax return unless you bought them using an undeclared income source, which is against the law. Caller, what? Google, I'm sorry, sir. We use such information only with the sole intention of helping you. Caller, enough already. I'm sick to death of Google, Facebook, Twitter, WhatsApp, and all the others. I'm going to an island without Internet, cable TV, where there's no cell phone service and no one to watch me or spy on me. Google, I understand, sir, but you need to renew your passport first. It expired six weeks ago. <laughs> I mean, that's uh, we're not that far off from this little um, little Oof. bit. Yeah, it would be funnier if it weren't so real. Yeah, yeah, isn't that the the truth? Well, a pair of pelicans in California. Isn't that the perfect start to a joke? A pair of I can't even say it. A pair of pelicans in California. You try saying a pair of pelicans. A pair of pelicans in California were in a celebratory mood on Saturday and decided to crash a graduation ceremony at Pepperdine University. The birds were caught on video flying around the outdoor event in Malibu and even seen trying to engage the crowd, which means land on and among the crowd. One of the long-beaked birds tried to take a seat with family members and guests in the audience but wasn't welcomed and was shooed onto the field where it seemingly nipped people who were trying to usher it away. The pelicans eventually waddled off the red carpet and away from the ceremony, which was uh, overlooking the Pacific Ocean. Those birds are huge. It would be very intimidating to find um, one of these uh, pelicans landing during your ceremony. But then there's this. You know, if you just happen to look in the right place at the right time, you never know what you might catch. A Colorado woman captured video of two bobcats. They were fighting over an unusual piece of territory. It was at the top of a utility pole. At the top of a utility pole. Uh, Kathy Holman, she captured video of the two, and I've seen it, these two wild felines dueling with their teeth and claws near the top of a utility pole in Fountain. This is in uh, Colorado. The bobcats can be heard growling at one another from a distance because she was at a safe distance. The two animals jostle for position on the pole until one claims the high ground, which is at the very tip top of the pole. The other flees back to the ground. It was uh, really quite something to behold. And about 600 people were evacuated from an Australian university's library, speaking of universities trying to hold a gathering, after students and faculty mistook the smell of a rotten uh, durian fruit for a gas leak. Hmm. Students and staff inside the campus library at the Royal Melbourne Institute of Technology became worried when they got a whiff of a distant smell on Saturday. A Metropolitan Fire Brigade, they showed up. They said the smell filled the air-conditioned system. Well, specialist crews wearing masks searched the library for the gas leak, but only found the rotting durian in a cupboard. Now, a durian fruit, it's kind of a hard shell. It looks a little like a coconut. You open it up and it looks like there are two membranes and it literally looks like sort of a green, greenish brain. That's how it's uh, split. It's very unattractive and mm, maybe it t- <laughs> Maybe it tastes good. I don't know. Anyway, after an earlier evacuation that turned out to be a false alarm, new academic street and library are now open. They said, we apologize for any inconvenience caused to those on the campus. Well, durian is a tropical fruit known for its strong smell. Hmm. It is uh, commonly banned from hotel rooms, public transport across Southeast Asia. The Smithsonian Magazine uh, compared the smell to turpentine and onions garnished with a gym sock. Ooh. And it's called a fruit. Who on earth would put that in their mouth? And who was the first person that decided to crack this thing open and thought, oh, I think I'll taste this? 
I don't know. Despite the pungent smell, many people rave about the fruit's taste. They say the stink is a small thing to get past. Did you ever notice on any of those CSI shows, or for that matter, kind of murder mystery shows, one of the things they do is they see a substance uh, at a crime scene, and they take a finger and they kind of rub two fingers, the thumb and forefinger together, and then they taste it? Who would do that? It seems like something you do in the playground as a kid that you really shouldn't be doing. Yeah, but these are grown-ups with, you know, flashlights and test tubes. All and right. apparently fingers. Yeah, and fingers. We're, uh, let's see, we're at the top of the hour. Is we're it really gonna, that late already? We're going to take a break. For we should. We need traffic. a break. When we come back, I want to give you a chance to hear from Wes Walterman. The Singing Christmas Tree is presenting the first in a series of two hymn sings that's coming up this Friday at Southwest Bible Church and next Friday at New Hope Church, 6 o'clock for both events with a, a, uh, an optional 430 chicken dinner you can purchase for $10. We'll give you the details on how to uh, say, yes, I want to come. It's free, but you need a ticket. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Well, good afternoon and welcome back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. Well, I have to tell you, I'm pretty excited because once again, the Portland Singing Christmas Tree is presenting a hymn sing, only it's not just a single hymn sing. There's an opportunity to participate on the east side as well as the west side. And with me in studio is the CEO and the director of the Portland Singing Christmas Tree Choir, Wes Walterman. Welcome. It's a pleasure to have you with us. Oh, it's always fun to be on your show, Georgine. Thank you so much. Well, I have to tell you, I get a little excited when you're here because you are such a master at what you do in not only directing the choir, but um, selecting music and, and just orchestrating everything that happens with the Portland Singing Christmas Tree. And then to innovate the, the hymn sing that gives the, the church an opportunity to come mm-hmm. together from various places right. and to lift their voices in these familiar hymns is, is just a thrilling evening. And I have not attended one that I haven't cried in. So <laughs> thank I, you very much. I cry every time. too. You know, there's no greater place to be than between a, a, a choir of 120 and 1500 people singing uh, songs about the Lord and lifting up his name and everyone singing. That's the beauty of this. Yes. This yeah. hymn sings. Everyone sings. Now I have to admit when we we did the first one, I wasn't sure the congregation would join in and I was amazed mm-hmm. to hear the voices, the throng of voices. They knew the songs because these are hymns that we all share in common. Yes. It doesn't matter if you're a Baptist or doesn't if you're matter. a no. Lutheran. These are songs that we all know. You could hear the parts being sung and yep. people were singing with passion. It, it reminded me of, you know, years ago when the church... Uh, sang just hymns, and we all knew those those common songs. Oh, absolutely. And I just feel like there's a decline in hymns in churches today because there's so many great new choruses mm-hmm. being written, and so hymns kind of get left out. And in fact, Sunday at our church, we had three great courses, and uh, some people say, well, I just can't worship to the newer courses. I don't know the... Well, y- you can worship. If you put your mind to it, j- you can just worship and praise the Lord, but it is a little bit difficult when the songs are a little bit unfamiliar. Mm-hmm. They might be voiced uh, higher. I'm a bass, so it's it's tough for me to sing some of the newer courses. So the third, the fourth song in, all of a sudden, the whole band laid out, and all of a sudden, all we sang was, A Great Is Thy Faithfulness. And I was in the very back row, and there's there's a row, there's a uh, there's an aisle behind me, and all of a sudden, I hear this tenor singing out super loud. And it's a guy getting ready to serve communion after the song was finished. And everyone around me was singing 
the parts to great is thy faithfulness. It's something that everyone knew. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I love that it tethers the younger generation to the older generation, yes. and we can all come together Absolutely. and agree on the rich theology and the lyrics of so many of these great hymns. Absolutely. Well, this year you're doing something a little bit different. In years past, there's been an evening of, uh, of hymn singing at New Hope Church. This year, we have an opportunity for the East Side as well as the West Side. Tell us a little bit about the split. Well, the split happened because um, we were really getting a lot of people coming out to New Hope, and we thought, you know, if we can split this off and do one in the East, one in the West, and do it over two different weekends, those who want to participate in both weekends can do that, and those who live on the East Side can come to this one. Those who live on the West Side can come to this other one. And so it's the same exact show. We're just doing it two times in a row. So the band is super excited. The 120 Voice Choir is super, super excited to be part of this. And we're doing a dinner as well at both shows. So before the concert starts, we do a big chicken dinner for those who want to uh, pay $10 and, 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 you know, fill their t- stomachs before they come and they fill their hearts with music. Kind of like having a potluck back in the it day. Is. And yeah, then you exactly. go, go have the service. Oh, yeah. Well, let me give you the details because we're talking about two opportunities. And you may want to come to both. Let's be honest. Two opportunities to, to join us in the hymn sing. And as Wes was saying, this is an opportunity for all of us to sing together. Uh, the choir is singing, you're singing, and that's what makes this a beautiful evening. Now, the first hymn sing is going to be held on Saturday, May the 5th at Southwest Bible Church. And again, this is the first time the hymn sing has been held by the Singing Christmas Tree Choir on the west side. Now, Southwest Bible Church, they're on uh, Southwest Weir Road, just off of uh, Murray. And the uh, the event begins at 6 o'clock p.m., but you have an opportunity to join us for some chicken dinner at 4.30. The cost of the dinner is $10, and you can make that reservation when you secure your tickets. Now, the admission to this hymn sing is free. We do require tickets to make sure we can accommodate everybody. Um, so you do need to call and make that arrangement, and you can decide if you want to join us for dinner as well. And then there are opportunities if you would like to reserve special seating. That's a, a possibility as well, and you can talk with uh, our folks on the phone line, Patty, when you call for that. Now, the second hymn sing is going to be held on Saturday, May the 12th. That's the following Saturday, and that's going to be at New Hope Auditorium on Southeast Stevens Road that's right by Clackamas Town Center in Happy Valley. Once again, it will begin at 6 o'clock p.m., but you have an opportunity at 4.30 to join us for a chicken dinner, and it's going to be a, a great evening. Um, that's going to be served prior to the hymn sing at 4.30. The singing begins at 6 o'clock. Now, again, the cost of the dinner is $10 per person, and you can purchase that when you reserve your general admission tickets. You can also ask about preferred seating tickets for the hymn sing, which is uh, a lot, but... Uh, Pretty excited that it's coming up this, yeah. uh, let's say, not this, but next it's, weekend. It's a week from this Saturday, actually. Wow, yeah, wow. Week, so. You know, a lot of people don't realize that uh, the Portland Singing Christmas Tree has been around for 56 years, and it's it's a it's a choir of 300 strong, and uh, I would say 90, 98% are, are Christians, and there's over 100 churches represented in our collective group of singers that, that get together every fall, and we kind of kick off the Christmas season. And so... Um, it just needs so so many Christians that want to be part of this, that are part of the choir. They said, can we do something on the opposite calendar year? And so that's kind of where this was born. And we thought, what 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 better place to, to do this than in a local church yeah. and do uh, about 25, 26, 27 different hymns for everyone to enjoy? So it's been a really 
really fun experience the last three years with the hymn sings. And you've got a wonderful band that accompanies the music that's being played. There are times when the band just drops out and all you hear are the voices. Yes. And I'm telling you, it is just a little glimpse of, a little taste of what heaven is going to be like, because there's a very diverse audience of people from, you know, every denomination, I suppose you can imagine, Mm -hmm. that have come together around these common hymns of the faith. And it's just a beautiful thing. If you need to be encouraged, if you need to be inspired, maybe even a little bit challenged, this is a great opportunity to come together and sing. Now, my guess is some of our listeners might think, well, I don't, I'm not that great a singer. Uh, are they invited to join us? Oh, of course. Can, can, can you make a great, a joyful noise and still be welcome? <laughs> of course. And if they don't want to sing, they just want to take it all in. That's, that's entirely up to them. We'll have words up on the screens for everybody. Uh, and, and you just kind of gravitate to your part. I'm a bass. I always go to the bass part. If you're an alto, you're going to go to the alto part. And just things that you grew up with as a child or maybe a teenager – um, and all of a sudden these songs and these hymns come back like it was yesterday. Yeah, yeah. And again, this is being presented by our family at the Portland Singing Christmas Tree. Now, I can't have you in the studio without talking just a little bit about the next season of the Portland Singing Christmas Tree mm-hmm. and when tickets will be made available. They'll be made available, uh, I think, within the next month. And uh, we're, we're uh, actually going to a meeting this evening for the final stages of planning this year's music. And let me tell you, it is, it is going to be one of the best seasons we've ever had in terms of music and the caliber of music. And uh, so I'm, I'm excited to unveil that this, this uh, actually this Christmas season. Oh, wonderful. And you can uh, check out more information on that at the Portland Singing Christmas Trees website. Now, by the way, if you want to um, uh, secure your f- free admission tickets, you can call Patty at 503-557-8733. That's 503-557-8733. And you can get all the important details uh, there about the upcoming hymn sing on both the east side and the west side. Now, again, the details are on Saturday, May the 5th, 6 o'clock p.m. There's an opportunity to join us for the hymn sing at Southwest Bible Church. This is the first time that we've done this on the west side. And Southwest Bible Church is on Southwest Weir Road in Beaverton. And, of course, you can join us for dinner at 4.30. The chicken dinner is $10 per person, and you can call and make your reservations and and pay for that when you call to get your tickets. And our second hymn sing will be held on Saturday, May the 12th, and that's going to be at New Hope Auditorium. And they're located on Southeast Stevens Road in Happy Valley. And, again, chicken dinner at 4.30. The show begins at 6 o'clock p.m. The hymn sing is going to feature members of the Portland Singing Christmas Tree Choir, and you, you probably already know what a beautiful collection of voices that is. Uh, I'm going to have an opportunity to share some music, Timothy Greenwich, and on the uh, second showing, Coral Walterman, who's got a beautiful operatic voice, will also be uh, presenting music at this uh, this great opportunity. Now, by the way, the Hymn Sing is a free will offering event. Tickets are needed for admission, and again, to get that um, arranged, you can call 503 557 87 33. Now bring your women's Bible study group, bring your youth group, go to the nursing home and bring some folks with you. Uh, whoever you um, congregate with, encourage someone to come who just might really enjoy hearing songs that they don't have the opportunity to hear very often or sing very often. Because this is going to be a rich evening and it just can't help but uh, become an evening of, of worship. You know, if you're wondering, uh, can, I, can I bring my kids? Uh, absolutely. We In the past, we've had entire families come with kids, uh, uh, even two years old, three years old, that are engaged in the concert because it's all music. And there's something for everybody. Absolutely. Again, that telephone number for a Patty is 503 557 
33. Wes, thank you so much for talking with us today. Always a privilege. Thank Looking you. Looking forward to uh, the first Saturday, May the 5th, and the second Saturday, May the 12th. Hope to see you there. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show on a fun Friday afternoon. Well, the Babylon Bee is a very popular and rapidly growing Christian satire website with more than 500,000 social media followers since its launch back in March of 2016. It's now produced a 200-page book that's a laugh-out-loud humor a uh, book that uh, causes one to think perhaps more deeply about our faith in this culture. It's their first ever book, and it's simply titled How to Be a Perfect Christian, Your Comprehensive Guide to Flawless Spiritual Living. I know some of you don't need to read the book because you're already there, but it's known for its satirical take on modern Christian culture. And the bee promises to make the reader a poster child for Christian perfection with this step-by-step guide, complete with visual aids such as the Holiness Progress Tracker 5000 to see how you're doing on the scale from Satan to Jesus. <clears throat> well, how to be a perfect Christian echoes the hilarious yet pretty dry, relatable style of the uh, Babylon Bee's uh, satirical news articles, but features all brand new material expanded into essay style chapters. Each of the chapters outlines a step toward achieving spiritual perfection. So we are just delighted to have um, uh, one of the chief writers here with us uh, uh, from uh, the Babylon Bee and uh, the writer of the Babylon Bee, How to Be a Perfect Christian. Thank you so much for joining us, Kyle Mann. Hey, how's it going? It's going pretty good. Well, I, I don't want to assume that all of our listeners know what the Babylon Bee is, so let me just give you an opportunity to explain it for the one or two who perhaps have not yet uh, had a good chuckle and then a sober uh, thought about where we are as Christians in our culture. Yeah, the Babylon Bee is a uh, satirical Christian news site. Uh, so we publish articles, you know, several articles a day that kind of comment on current events or church culture or Christian culture or the wider secular culture, um, and we kind of comment on it in a satirical way. So we exaggerate, we distort, we uh, you know we make things up that that point out truths uh, within within evangelicalism. And you always have an underlying point that causes us to maybe think a little bit more deeply and hopefully a bit more clearly about our faith in light of our our culture. How did the Babylon Bee began? In fact, I'm a little surprised that it's only been around since March of 2016. It just seems like it's always been a fixture uh, challenging us uh, and making us laugh. How did it start? Yeah, that's uh, what people always say. You know, it, it uh, feels like it's been around forever, but it's uh-huh. only been a couple of years. My friend Adam Ford founded the site in March of 2016, and uh, just quickly took off and really filled a void within within the church and within Christian culture, uh, speaking to a lot of issues in ways that people weren't um, making points. And you know, we always want to communicate truth through our satire, and so uh, we want we want to be funny and we want to be comedic, but at the same time, we want that comedy to speak to greater issues. Yeah, and that takes a real skill because you don't want to be so funny that the point is lost. On the other hand, you don't want to be so serious that people aren't interested. Somehow you manage on a regular basis to strike that balance. Now, we're used to kind of the short um, 200-word articles that you publish. This, however, is a 200-page book of all original material. Tell us a little bit about how that transition happened and why the book. Yeah, um a book seemed to be the, the logical outworking and the, the next natural step for us um, as a Christian satire site. You know, uh, 
going from writing these little punchy articles to the long book was a was a big transition, a big challenge for us, but it was so natural for us when we got started. You know, we just said kind of, how could we write a lengthy guide to uh, immersing yourself in Christian culture and using that to kind of point to a greater truth that, you know, some of the things that we lift up as idols within Christian culture really aren't part and parcel of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Now, most of us who read the articles, we'll read them and we tend to get them in a series. We might have four or five in our uh, on our um, email, uh, or we might go to your site and read several at a time. How challenging was it to uh, expand upon a subject um, that required chapters as opposed to just, uh, you know, several paragraphs in making a point? Yeah, you know, it, it's a different thought process. Um, you're writing a book's obviously a big undertaking, um, but it's a different thought process because it's not like, uh, you know, you can write a really funny headline and then that does most of the work and then you just, you, you pound out a couple hundred words and and attach an image to it, and you're good to go. You know, we really had to think deeply about a lot of the issues, and really drill deep and mine deep into the uh, into some of the issues we were talking about. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, we didn't want it to be, you know, individual chapters like this chapter is just a lengthy joke about this, and this chapter is just a lengthy joke about that. You know, we wanted it to have kind of an overarching narrative that that really walks people step by step through. Christian culture. Hmm. Now, how did you decide on the the premise of the book, which is how to be a perfect Christian? Yeah, me and Adam were uh, (laughs) brainstorming ideas for projects. And, uh, you know, I I think we were kind of had a couple ideas and kind of thought, what if we just did like, you know, um, what if we did, you know, a field guide or a, a, you know, Christianity for dummies type thing. And, uh, and then kind of working on that, we expanded and said, well, let's, Let's really poke fun kind of at Bible built Christianity and this whole idea that um, you have to accept so many of these little legalistic standards to be a Christian when really, you know, it's all about God's grace. And that's kind of the main message that we wanted to get across. Now, is this message unique to American Christianity or is it uh, broader to Western Christianity? What audience would find this relevant? Yeah, definitely, definitely a wider uh, Western Christianity. I think would be the group that that's most impacted. Um, you know, obviously the church all over the world has its challenges and has uh, different areas that God's challenging them with. But uh, I think for Western Christianity, our big one of our big dangers is just kind of accepting cultural Christianity mm-hmm. without ever accepting Christ. Yeah, yeah. Now, the Babylon Bee was never meant to just be a website uh, that produces humor for the sake of humor, but you use humor as a way to make some important points and to speak the truth. In taking on the subject of how to be a perfect Christian, what ultimately do you want to communicate to your readers about how we perceive in our culture what it means to be a follower of Christ? I want people to see that um, no matter how you were raised and no matter what your tradition is, um, all of those things that you kind of start to pick up along the way and, and your faith starts to snowball with all this extra stuff, I want people to be able to separate that stuff, whether it's good or bad, from the heart of the gospel, which is that God offers us His grace through faith in Christ. And I, I hope we've got the message across, but that's kind of the, that's kind of the impact that we want people to to be left with as they think about the book after they finish it. Your colleague uh, Ed said this uh, in the book: "We set out to shake the foundations of plastic, surface-level Christian culture, the man-made aspects of evangelicalism in our specific time and place that are too often conflated with being a Christian." And I think that's a that's a thread that has run through all of your satire: is you challenge us to think about what's authentic and what have we sort of created over time. 
uh, that mimics what uh, authentic Christianity is and, and challenges us to perhaps uh, take a good laugh at ourselves and then a serious look at ourselves. Exactly. I mean, it's so important to be able to laugh at yourself and be able to look yourself in the mirror and say, hey, I'm, I'm kind of a goofy person. <laughs> when you think about it, a lot of the things that I do, you know, don't measure up to what I should be doing. And, and uh, you know, I think if we take ourselves too serious that we start trusting in ourselves and we start looking at ourselves as being better than everyone else. And that's dangerous in our Christian world. Yeah, absolutely. Now, we're going to take a quick break, but we'll continue our conversation. Again, we're talking about a must-read book. Kyle Mann is joining us. He's a head writer at the Babylon Bee. How to Be a Perfect Christian, Your Comprehensive Guide to Flawless Spiritual Living. That's a pretty big ticket. We'll be back in a moment. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. Is aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show on this fun Friday afternoon, and we're talking about the book that's just recently been released. In fact, I think it's been recently released. The version I have is an uncorrected uh, proof. We'll find out in a moment. Anyway, the Babylon Bee has produced its first book, and if you have not read their articles, you have to add that to your uh, to your reading. How to Be a Perfect Christian, Your Comprehensive Guide to Flawless Spiritual Living, and the cover really says it all. Uh, with us uh, today is um, Kyle Man. Now, the book is out. Uh, the version I have wasn't yet out. When is the book uh, released to the general public? Yeah, the book came out on May 1st, so it came out on Tuesday. Oh, excellent. And, uh, so it's available for purchase now, yeah. Excellent. Well, it's really a, a, a great laugh, um, but as we've been mentioning, the, the satire is used for constructive purposes. And so while you capture your audience with your, your clever um, uh, writing, uh, it really does challenge us to think more deeply. Now, in the, um, in the book, you begin with an introduction, so you want to be a perfect Christian. I think most of us, we want to be like Christ, we want to follow His example, and somewhere along the way, we can get just a little bit distracted by the culture's version of our faith. But share a little bit of uh, the the humorous take that you have on uh, our desire to be a perfect Christian. Yeah, um, so you join a church, uh, and you know, especially for people who are outside the Christian faith. You know, let's say that you get saved and you join a Christian church. There are so many there are so many assumptions that people have about Christianity, and there are so many of these little idols that we kind of set up. Um, as being uh, as being part of the Christian faith or as being central to the Christian faith, when really they're just you know cultural uh, leftovers um, from how how the faith has grown throughout the uh, throughout the 20th century and the 21st century, um, and so that's really what we wanted to say at the beginning is kind of set up that satirical tone of you know so you've joined a church or so you're just you're just getting started out on this whole Christian thing or maybe you've been a Christian for a while. And, you know, now you're starting to feel inadequate because all these people have, uh, you know, they have started to live up to all these little man-made standards and you're not there yet. So we're going to help you see what those <laughs> things are that you can, you know, try to live up to in a satirical way. Um, your chapters are titled Joining the Right Church, Worshiping Like a Pro, because we all know there are certain things you do and don't do in order to worship like a pro. Doing life together, uh, which is a coined phrase, serving in church without ever lifting a <laughs> ever lifting a finger, looking really spiritual online, striving for personal perfection, conforming to mainstream Christian beliefs, 
quarantining your home from the worldly wastelands, crusading against the heathens, fighting on the front lines of the culture war, and congratulations, you've arrived. Now, one of the things that we mentioned is this uh, this meter that you <laughs> that you have that uh, tells us how we're doing uh, the Holiness Progress Tracker 5000 that helps us see how we're coming along on the scale from Satan, where we all start, to, to Jesus. Uh, tell us a little bit about that uh, little uh, quirky element that... Uh, that you use along the way. Yeah, we, we, you know, when we wrote the book, we said, you know, humor is very, humor is a very visual thing for a lot of people. And so we wanted to include, you know, we wanted to sprinkle lots of charts and pictures and stuff throughout the, throughout the book. And so one of the things we came up with was, you know, what if we had this at the end of each, of each chapter, you know, if you've read and applied everything in the book, you know, uh, what better way to show kind of that whole concept of, uh, you know, earning your way to perfection that, that we're satirizing, you know, than an actual tracker. So we, you know, we pretend like it's, uh, it uses motion tracking technology and spiritual detection technology and all this stuff. And it, you know, it slides <laughs> you up and down the scale as you, as you work your way up or you backslide or <laughs> all that stuff. <laughs> Now, some of what's in the book, um, how to ace the church potluck, to serve the church without ever lifting a finger. The book's filled with everything you need to know to be the, the best, to live rather your best spiritual uh, life. Now, what is it like when, when you and your colleagues are sitting around coming up with, uh, with your articles and, and what came uh, into uh, the book? Do you sit around just kind of talking? Do you um, sit alone quietly and come up with things and then compare notes? How does this develop into what I'm holding in my hands a series of chapters that uh, that represent um, kind of an expose of where we are as Christians in our culture. Yeah, um, for the book, a lot of the a lot of the work was done kind of just online and and uh, collaborating on online docs, uh, online documents and stuff. So uh, I wrote a lot of the content. Um, Adam, who founded the site, wrote a lot of the content, and he and I just kind of uh, you know shot revisions back and forth. So I'd go off and and uh, and work up a chapter, and then he'd work on one, and then he'd uh, he'd edit mine or add add things, add the graphics, all that stuff. Uh, you know, if you've been in Christian culture for any length of time, you know all those things that <laughs> that are such easy targets for us to pick on. So you know, some of the chapters just flowed right out because it was. It was so natural for us. Now, some of your satire focuses outward, some of it inward. The book, for the most part, focuses inward and challenges us to kind of consider our uh, unique church culture. Um, as you were preparing the book and have you know given it to, I assume, some people to read before its release earlier this week, what kind of responses have you had thus far, I suppose, to this and to your satire uh, on the website? Yeah, I mean, we've gotten, we got so much positive response from people, you know, in, uh, compared with writing online where we write a quick article, we publish it and you get instant feedback, you know, from people mm-hmm, mm-hmm. online commenting or, or sharing, you know, a book. It's so different because it's this long process. You know, we wrote this book a year over a year ago. And uh, so it was interesting to see, you know, we, we put our best work into it and we try to put our best foot forward with it. And then you just wait and hope that, <laughs> that it connects. <laughs> And we were, but we've been really, really pleased with the response that we've gotten from a lot of people. Yeah. Well, if it's uh, any indication, I thoroughly enjoyed it and connected. Do you find that it's uh, that, that your response is generational? I'm in my early sixties. Do you find that younger people are more responsive, or do you appeal to a broad spectrum? Man, we uh, we we seem to at least with the book, we've been getting we've been getting response from all across mm-hmm. 
the board of people who get it. You know, I, I was talking to someone at church when we were working on the book and I kind of just mentioned the title and what, what we were doing. And he just started laughing and, and kind of, you know, and I, I was reading them a couple of, of lines and, and he starts laughing at, you know, oh man, that's exactly how it was growing up in my church. You know, <laughs> and so we've gotten that, that kind of response that people immediately relate to the concept, you know, kind of no matter where, where you are on the generationally. Now, for our listeners who are not familiar with the Babylon Bee, and I can't imagine who they are, but let's assume they've just come back from uh, from some long journey. How can they connect with the Babylon Bee and learn more about what you're doing so that we can together uh, laugh at one another and be challenged to a, a better reflection of a Christ-likeness than our culture might uh, suggest? Yeah, the best way to connect with us is to go directly to our website, BabylonBee.com. Um, you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And the book is just widely available now? Yes, yeah, it's Amazon, bookstores, uh, wherever books are sold. Well, it's a great read, and I appreciate the time and effort that you've put into uh, expanding on what we are used to you writing uh, into chapters uh, that, again, is one of those uh, satires that challenges us to perhaps re-examine where we are as a Christian community in our culture and do a better job of reflecting what Christ has called us to do rather than what we have uh, settled for in our own, uh, our own circles. Hey, Kyle Mann, thank you so much for talking with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been a real uh, real pleasure. Again, the book is titled How to Be a Perfect Christian, Your Comprehensive Guide to Flawless Spiritual Living. As I said, some of you don't need the book because you're already there. But for others of us, this might be <laughs> a good resource. And I have to tell you, um, you, you think of satire as being irreverent. It really isn't. It's funny. It's, uh, it can be biting at times, but it really does reflect where we are as a culture and challenges us to think a little more deeply. This is written by some uh, guys who, who are Jesus followers and want the church to reflect what, uh, what Jesus called us to be, rather than including some of the stuff that the culture confuses us by. So uh, might be a great read. And by the way, the book is published by Multnomah. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back to wrap things up. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back. You're listening to the final segment of The Georgine Rice Show. Well, the final segment for today. We'll, we'll actually be back next week. So weep no more. Um, wanted to mention just one more story before we uh, let you know what's coming up next week. Um, a New Jersey ice cream company. And this is the kind of season when, you know, ice cream sounds really, really good. You think about your favorite flavor. You think about the kind of cone or maybe the dish that you like it in. Maybe there's a topping or two you'd like to put on top of it. Uh, but when the weather turns warm, there's nothing like a big bowl of ice cream for those who are not lactose intolerant. Well, a New Jersey ice cream company announced the first in its line of only in Jersey flavors. So you can't get them here if your mouth is watering. You can only get them in Jersey, hence the name, only in Jersey flavors. French toast and pork roll ice cream. Now, French toast, that doesn't seem too far off. It's, you know, kind of bread pudding, uh, which is essentially what French toast is. It's bread pudding with cinnamon and, you know, those kinds of uh, sweet, savory flavors, spices, I should say, and pork roll. Now, that, on the other hand, is not quite uh, not quite as uh, appealing. Wendy Brow Farms announced the first and only uh, in Jersey line of flavors containing actual caramelized Taylor ham and challah French toast, which is, by the way, quite sweet. 
Doesn't get much more Jersey than this, the company said on its Twitter page. Jake Hunt, who's the managing partner of Windy Brow Farms, say that he determined that pork roll only ice cream, pork roll only ice cream would be uh, gross. So he combined it with French toast and maple flavors to make it really good balance between super sweet and super salty. Okay, it's one ice cream. I'm thinking there's one that's French toast. There's one that's pork roll, but it's actually French toast pork roll. Kind of like chicken waffles? I guess so. I still have not uh, I, I've not been able to imagine that as appealing. <laughs> so they're balancing super sweet and super salty with the French toast pork roll ice cream. Hunt said each two and a half gallon container of ice cream contains two pounds of actual Taylor Ham brand pork roll. So if you're looking for something unusual and you're traveling to Jersey... You can look for the line of only in Jersey flavors that now includes French toast and pork roll. Thank you. No, I think I'll stay in the Pacific Northwest where you can go to Salt and Straw or some of these places and find peculiar flavors uh, that are a bit more appealing. Well, it was 36 years ago or nearly 36 years ago on May the 8th. It was a Saturday that Dan and Georgine Rice exchanged vows. Yes, next Tuesday, May the 8th, is our 36th wedding anniversary. Neither of us has been in prison for having injured or maimed the other. That's good after 36 years. Uh, And uh, so we are going to be celebrating our anniversary this uh, weekend and into, or really up to and through Tuesday of next week. I'm going to be gone Monday and Tuesday for that purpose. I remember very vividly uh, my wedding day. My mother sewed uh, my wedding dress. She did the same for my sister, the two girls in our family. I remember putting that dress on for the first time and looking across the the foyer of the church and seeing my father there in a tuxedo. Uh, It was only the second time I'd seen my dad in a tuxedo because my sister married a few years ahead of me. And so this time he had dressed up for me and he was going to walk me down the aisle to this young man that I thought I knew uh, on our wedding day. We got married in a church that wasn't the church we were attending because the building was uh, being it was under construction, so it was being um, redecorated. In fact, it was a Christian science building, and there were quotes on the walls, and just things had to be done before it was suitable for uh, our congregation. So we got married at a, a different church that was beautiful. And I remember walking down that aisle and marrying a drummer. That's that's something a little different. I walked down the aisle in center stage. You know, usually the the bride wants this beautiful display of flowers and everything that evokes the romance of the occasion, marrying Dan Rice meant at the very center of the stage as you walk down the aisle. Of course, he was there standing just slightly off to the right. His bass drum was the thing that I saw over the head of the uh, of the preacher. We had a little row over that the day before during our rehearsal. In fact, I remember crying at the time. It seems rather foolish to me now. But then as a young 25-year-old marrying for the first and only time, I remember thinking, this is the worst day of my life. Who am I marrying? He's got the drum in the center of the... Well, we got married, and it took. I remember leaving the church after our uh, ceremony was over. Our photographer took so long trying to get just the right pictures, we missed our reception altogether. And anyone who wanted to see the bride and groom and the wedding party had to come back up into the sanctuary because that's where we were posing for pictures. 
By the way, they weren't all that good. But anyway, we have them, and there we were. I remember driving away from our wedding, and I knew Dan Rice because he's a guy who wants to make sure things are done well and that he is there to help. I remember as the musicians, because we had essentially a concert. We had maybe five, six, seven songs in our wedding. He wanted to help tear down the equipment and carry it all out, make sure everybody was taken care of. He wanted to make sure the kitchen was all right, the the sweet church ladies who had served the reception we did not attend, make sure everything was uh, where it needed to be. And so we were among the last to leave the church. Um, And I remember driving away in a rented car. We were just going uh, to the hotel by the airport because the next day we were flying out to Hawaii. I had never been. This was a big deal for me. Aside from the fact that I was going off with a man, my parents knew about it and they, you know, three hours earlier it would have been a travesty. Now all of a sudden it's fine and they're waving and saying, have a great time. Really, mom and dad? Just a little vow and all of a sudden everything changed. But anyway, I digress. We're driving away and Dan Rice looks over to the right and there's a woman sitting a couple blocks away and she's She's weeping. She's obviously in distress. And my husband would never drive by that kind of a scene. We're on our way to our honeymoon. We have just exchanged wedding vows. We're doing the first thing we're ever going to do together as a married couple as we drive away into the sunset. My husband pulls over the car. He gets out and he goes over to minister to this woman. And I realized then who I had married. And that's the very man that he is uh, today, the man who has a heart to minister to others. Well, he got back in the car. But by the time uh, we had finished all that, cleaning up the church, putting things away, carrying out equipment, ministering to the woman weeping on the side of the corner, there was absolutely no um, no time to go to a nice dinner, which is, I suppose, what you're supposed to do. We pulled up to a Taco Bell, and there we had burrito supremes. And I'm telling you, they have never been more supreme than on that day. We had our burrito supremes. We get to the hotel room. Now, I'm a teetotaler. We get to the hotel room and the hotel, knowing it's our honeymoon, even though we're showing up at 10 10 p.m. at night and our flight is early, early the next morning, there's a bottle of champagne. What are you going to do with a bottle of champagne? We corked that thing and I had my first taste of champagne, which, by the way, doesn't taste nearly as good as Kool-Aid as far as I'm concerned. Anyway, we had um, burritos and champagne. And for the first several years of (laughs) of our married life, That's what we had for our anniversary. We would have uh, burritos. So anyway, we're going to be celebrating our 36th wedding anniversary uh, this week uh, through Tuesday. I'm going to be back on Wednesday, and I'm looking forward to that because my guest on Wednesday is going to be Dr. Mark Strong. Uh, He is the author most recently of The Blessing Maker, How to Turn Your Nothing into Something and Your Something into Everything. He, of course, is the uh, local pastor here, so we're looking forward to to talking with him. On Thursday, we're going to talk with Gentizen Franklin. The book is Love Like You've Never Been Hurt, Hope, Healing, and the Power of an Open uh, Heart. That's uh, on Thursday and then on Friday, we assume, uh, given what the events of the day might be, we're going to lighten things up and take a look at the lighter side of the news. I want to thank Chris Williams for engineering this week. Clark Hilton has been vacationing in Hawaii, which is where we spent our honeymoon, by the way. Anyway, so he'll be back on um, Monday, although he is being moved to engineer a program down the hall. So James Blend will be filling that spot uh, when I return on Wednesday keep all of that straight. But I want to thank Chris Williams, who has filled in these last few days. And I imagine we'll be together again from time to time uh, before the uh, before it all comes to an end. Also, James Blinn producing today's program. Thank you for making the Georgine Rice Show part of your day. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the sunshine. Good night.
Thanks for listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at G Rice Show and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.